you turn around and there's a cup. It's like, where did that come from? And so for me, your son, <laughs> I just hit David for those that, you know, the heard of the thud. You're listening to the Nacho Kids podcast, where we discuss all things step family related, real stories, real people, real help. Your hosts are the creators of the Nacho Kids Method and the Nacho Kids Academy Step Family Coaching Team, Lori and David Sims. Hello, David. Hello, honey. How are you today? I'm good. How are you? Well. So are you ready for summer? Because it's almost over. <laughs> well, I think we're getting ready to go into the dog days of summer. Yeah. Yeah, there is that. So we're about. What does that mean? I don't know, because we have dogs here every day. Because you sweat like a dog? I don't know. I'd have to Google it. I do know that it has something to do with a lot more motorcycle wrecks. The dog days of summer? Mm-hmm. That's not why they call it that, though. No, I don't think so. Unless there's a bunch of dogs that run out and make people wreck. I've had that. I know. <laughs> it was a bad experience. Yes. There's nothing scarier than knowing something is wrong and having to wait 20 minutes for a phone call to figure out what your gut's telling you. Mm-hmm. To find out that your husband and one of the stepkids has been in a motorcycle accident. But didn't like uh, my friend call you and his phone died like while he was talking to you or something? Okay, like I'll tell you all the Reader's Digest version. <laughs> David and a friend and another friend were going to go ride, ride motorcycles. And David was going to take one of the kids and the other kid's like, no, he got to go last time. It's my turn. Or something happened and we switched kids. Yeah. And you left, and I don't know, maybe a couple hours later, I was starting to do clothes, and I just got this gut feeling like something was wrong, like I felt sick. Mm-hmm. And I remember thinking, God, please don't let anything happen to Ethan, because David will never forgive himself. Could not shake the feeling. Something was wrong, you know. Started to do work stuff just to get my mind off of it and to kind of distract me. And then your friend called, and he said, David's had a motorcycle accident. I said, I know. Where is he? (laughs) And I'm sure he was probably like, what? Yeah. And then he starts trying to tell me, and I'm not um, very familiar with this area. I'm still not after 10 years. It's (laughs) just not my thing. And he's trying to tell me, and then he goes, well, my phone's dying. It's on such and such road. And it went out? It went out. Yeah. And then we were like back in the country roads. Like, I I don't even know if I could find where we were at. (laughs) I can. I drove it. Yeah. Yeah. I drove it almost like a photographic memory of trying to find the flashing lights in the middle of the country. Yeah. Well, my dad trying to find us two or something, and he's flying down the road doing, you know, 90 miles an hour and 45. Well, we both were, and it was dark, which <laughs> didn't help. I'm and like, I'm laying in the middle of the road. I'm alive, but my wife is going to run over me because she's going to come <laughs> flying around the curve doing 90 miles an hour. No. <laughs> It wasn't like that. Your dad and I were just in a hurry to get there. And we get there finally. Papa passed the road. So I had to call him and tell him he passed the road. Because I could see the lights and stuff. And we went down the road. And they were getting ready to life light you. Yeah. And then you were in the ambulance. And I think I asked you your social security number. And you knew it. And so they called off life light. Yeah, they were asking me all kind of questions. Yeah, but I think that was the one thing that they're like, oh my gosh, if he can remember his social security number, maybe he can just ride to the ambulance. Yeah, they were asking me like who the president was. and That yeah. reminded me of sitting in there in your room, and you're all drugged up and passed out. 
and I'm in that room and still a nervous wreck and not know what's going on and all this stuff. And we knew Ethan was okay. I know we're leaving out a lot of this story. And remember the door? I know you don't remember it. Mm-mm. I don't remember the door. It was like one of those clanky doors that when it shut, it latched. So it wasn't just the sound of it shutting. It was the sound of it latching. You know, the ones you push. Like at the hospital? Yeah, in okay. the hospital. You were in the hospital. Sorry, I might have left that part out. Yeah. And uh, so we're in the hospital, and I'm sitting there, and you're all passed out and on drugs. And that door just keeps shutting and opening and shutting and opening. And that was bad enough. Well, then it was a Saturday night, so the drunks started coming in. <laughs> and there was this guy that um, I'm guessing he was Mexican or Spanish or something. I'm not sure of his ethnicity. But he would say, yo, man, I need to use the bathroom. And they say, who stabbed you? And he'd say, no habla ingles. <laughs> <laughs> and then about five minutes later, he'd be like, oh, man, I need to use the bathroom. And they'd say, tell us who stabbed you. He'd say, no habla ingles. <laughs> and I just died laughing. I mean, that is what I heard for five hours. And then I thought they were going to keep you, but they ended up not keeping you. Thank God you were okay. Well, they transported you, though. They transported you to Charlotte. Yeah, but that's when the room wasn't a room. Remember, they had like a drone place on the floor. And my gurney was like in the hallway in this drawing. <laughs> yeah, but then they did put you in a room. <laughs> yeah, eventually they did. Yeah. So anyway, sorry, y'all. We get sidetracked. You know that. <laughs> yep. So be careful if you ride motorcycles. We had um, another incident with us. And then something else happened, and I said, you know what? Lori's not getting back on it. That was three times. I'm yeah. done. As a matter of fact, we were at a friend's house that third incident. We didn't even ride it back home. Nope, I didn't. I said, I'm not that, getting back on it. That was the last time we rode it. We wouldn't even ride it back to the house. It was yeah. like, okay, we're done. Yeah, because we would have died. Yeah, honestly, we would have. Yeah. So, anyway. So, if you have a motorcycle, be careful. Ride free. <laughs> yeah. Be safe. Watch for dogs. Yeah. And crazy drivers. Actually, we didn't even say how I wrecked, but it, you know, it was a dog. Yeah. <laughs> and, um, and then after the motorcycle got by a little bit, you know how dogs are. And once the vehicle gets by, it kind of runs behind it. Well, when it ran behind it, I was behind it. <laughs> and so, uh, I hit the dog. Not sure, not sure the details because, you know, I went unconscious. And when I hit the uh, asphalt and, uh, guy behind me said, I bounced really good. And your son, <laughs> landed and did not hurt anything, did not even have grass on his back. No, not a scratch. He said that he was fly he remembers flying through there thinking, man, this is cool. Mm -hmm. And then thinking, crap, there's daddy. <laughs> yeah. 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 It was uh not not a fun ride for me. <laughs> no. That uh led up to being out of work for five months and a bunch of rehabilitation on my shoulder and all kind of stuff. So all that aside. <laughs> yeah. Have fun this summer because kids are going to be going back and forth and lots of craziness happens in, during the summer and additional kids end up coming over to the house and going on vacation with you and all these other crazy things that happen during the summer. Ready for school to start. Yeah, we're taking another kid with us on vacation for the first time because my son is worried because the brothers will not be here for the first time and he doesn't want to hang out with two old people. Who's going? You are. You said two old people. I didn't know who was going. Because it wasn't me. I figured you were taking somebody else. Okay. Let's let's get to paying attention. This is going to be in a 20-minute long intro, and we don't need all that. All right. Well, fine. Who are we talking to today? Tracy Poisoner. Oh, she's so essential. <laughs> you are so stupid. 
He says that because her website is essentialstepmom.com. <laughs> and her Facebook group is The Spectacular Stepmom. Yep. So she's essentially spectacular. Huh. Mm-hmm. She's pretty awesome. We talk about the fact that she's been in natural healing for 20 years, mm-hmm. dealing with behavioral problems with kids for 10, and no, they weren't her own. She helps people with kids with behavioral problems. Yep. And no, don't say I need to make an appointment. Ah, oh, then you caught me because I was about to. Mm-hmm. Her significant other experienced parental alienation. Okay. We see that a lot. I'd like to have her back later to discuss that in more detail. Mm-hmm. And we also discuss stepmom burnout or step parent burnout, which is really important to discuss because it is a stressful role that we play. Mm-hmm. So let's get to talking to her. All right. Well, well before we do that. Let's hear from our sponsor. There is a way to save your sanity and your relationship, and it's called the Nacho Kids Academy. In the Nacho Kids Academy, you will learn the skills and knowledge to properly nacho, techniques to handle stepfamily challenges, ways to improve your communication, and much, much more. Visit nachokidsacademy.com and sign up today to join other step parents who are seeing the life-changing benefits of nachoing. Again, that's nachokidsacademy.com. Today, we want to welcome Tracy Poisner with the Essential Stepmom. Hi, Tracy. Thank you. Hi, Lori. It's so good to be here with both of you. This is great. It's so glad that you finally got on our podcast. So now, Lori, can leave me alone about it. What? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm, I'm really, really happy that you guys are doing this. She's like, we got to get Tracy on. We got to get Tracy on. <laughs> well, I'm not just happy that you're having me on, but I'm happy that you're doing a podcast. I, I think it's fantastic. I think you guys are great, and I, I will totally be listening. That's for sure. Tracy, I met you, what, about a year ago? Yeah, something like that. Through the whole stepmom thing. I, I don't even remember how we met. I remember how, and it, there's a funny story because um, I've been running a, a Facebook group for the last, uh, well, year and a half anyway. It's called the essential. Uh, it's called the spectacular stepmom, and at one point, I, I really love having guests guests on to my Facebook Live um, things that I do. And at one point, I reached out to you, hoping that you would agree to be on a Facebook Live with me. And when I when I went to send you a messenger, you know how it says like also a member of this group or that group, or we have friends in common or whatever. And I realized that you had been in my group for like four months and I had no idea that you were there. I just thought, I can't believe that. So, and I just hadn't put the pieces together that you were you, but then we had a couple of great phone conversations and. And then we did the YouTube video. Mm -hmm. That was nerve wracking. (laughs) Was it? Yes, it was. Oh, I was so nervous. She doesn't like video. I know. I don't like video. You did great. I thought. (laughs) Well, thank you. Thank you very much. All right. So tell us a little bit about yourself and your blend. Yeah. Well, I started out as a bio mom. Uh, my daughter, whose birthday it is today, actually, I'm not even going to say how old she is because holy cow, <laughs> she's an age where you stop telling how old you are. Uh, anyway, um, yeah, it's her birthday today. And um, so I separated from her dad when she was about 11. And I was single for a number of years. And then I, um, got together with the man who is my husband now. Well, it's kind of, it's a long and kind of funny story how we got together actually, because he started out as a tenant in my house. Mm. Um, Free rent? He was, (laughs) no, not at all. Um, He 
he was, uh, he's a musician and I've been a musician also in my life. And we were working in the same orchestra. I, me not, like I was just part-time by then because I had left that career and I was doing something else. I'm also involved in natural health. I have a private practice in homeopathic medicine. It's another whole long story. But anyway, uh, no, he lived here for five years before we actually decided that we wanted to be together. So I knew his kids before we got together together. So I've known his kids since they were two, four, and seven. Wow. And they are now 19, 21, and 24. Hmm. So that's a long time. We've been together 12 years and married for five. So they were 14 and up when y'all got married? That sounds about right. And so two of them had lived with us even before that, before we got married. Mm -hmm. We've had all three of them living with us full time, but one at a time. (laughs) Wow. So I, I joke with him that we're the like serial parents of an only child. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We, we did that four times with my daughter and then with each of his three. So that's been a, that's, I think that's a really unusual experience. Yeah, but it probably was a blessing. <laughs> you can say that. <laughs> Let me ask you this. You know, in the stepmom groups, we hear people say, well, the kids were fine with me until we got married. Yeah. And then things changed. Did you yeah. experience that? No. No, I didn't. Good. No, I didn't. It was things changed when we got together because they had been coming here for visits to visit their dad before that. So, so I, I mean, I think I was really lucky. They liked me. They liked hanging around me and I knew that we were okay together so that when, when things got rocky, you know, later on, it was, I, I had some context for it mm-hmm. and yeah, it wasn't, So that wasn't so hard for me as it might have been otherwise. You know, I think I was definitely, it was easier uh, to say that I had known them from before. Right. Yeah. Instead of just a stranger coming in. Mm -hmm. Yeah. We had a relationship already. So yeah, that was, that made it, um, I think, easier. And, you know, I won't lie, like I hear on the groups all the time, and you certainly know that a lot of the potential conflict can be about blending your respective kids together. And my daughter was, um, had gone off to college when we got together. So we have been, you know, occasionally together under one roof, like for holidays and stuff. Uh, It will actually happen tonight that like to to my very rarely the oldest uh, boy comes to visit, but he's going to happen to be here tonight because they're all going away for Easter and my daughter and I are going to my parents in Toronto. So we're all going to be here kind of under one roof. And the, the third boy is um, with my husband's extended family where they live. So they're all going to be together over there. So we're all going in different directions, but we, we will have three kids under one roof tonight. And it's totally, of course, it's totally doable for a few hours. <laughs> I did not have to live the experience of blending everyone together. And my daughter was so happy to be an only child. <laughs> oh, my! she used to say all the time, thank you for not having more children. Thank you for not having more children. <laughs> I think about that with my son because 
you know, he was an only child, and then we got married. And in the beginning, David's kids were here a lot more often. And then eventually, I think year two, we went to 50-50 with his ex. Mm -hmm. And so my son was the only child every other week. Mm-hmm. he's probably going to be in counseling at some point because of that. But There's a lot of reasons why he's going to be in counseling. <laughs> <laughs> it's weird because I've related to almost like if David's traveling. The first couple of days you miss him and then you kind of get in your own groove. Yeah. And then they come back and everything's kind of messed up. Yeah. 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 <laughs> totally. Well, we've, we've actually been empty nesters this year because the youngest one was in university. And, and just today... like she's moved back for the summer from university. So it's going to be, again, like just a a shift of routine. I think it's, you know, it it just is what it is. It's just normal that, of course, you you change your, you know, your routines or whatever when when there's nobody home. That's okay. It's good, too. I'm, yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Tracy, give us a little bit of the backstory about what got you into the essential stepmom thing. I'm going to say it's a thing because I want you to explain what it is. So what kind of got you into that? And what does Essential Stepmom do? Like I said, I'd been in in the natural healing space for quite a long time. I've been doing that for 20 years. And I love, you know, helping people solve their problems. Typically, people come to me for, well, not just physical things, but emotional things too. And in the last five, or maybe closer to 10 years, I've specialized in behavior problems for children like an alternative medicine, alternative treatments uh, for people who are, you know, looking for help for behavioral developmental problems, learning issues, whatever it might be. And um, so I certainly have a, you know, a real passion for helping kids. And I think when my husband's youngest child, his daughter, eventually came to live with us here, that's two and some years ago, after she'd been here for a while, I kind of woke up one day and thought, I think we did it. Like we had so much, you know, struggle and anxiety with parental alienation and with, you know, kids not doing well and mental health issues and paperwork and legals. And, you know, like all of that was over. And it was like, she was here full time, enrolled in school. Everybody's doing good. The boy's in university. The older one lives on his own. And has a job. And I just said, like, I think we did it. Like, we're, we're, I felt like I was standing in the light at the end of the tunnel. (laughs) Yeah, really. And I, I just felt moved, you know, I said, I think that I've, like, developed a kind of a skill set here that I could be sharing with people. Like, it was not at all easy to, to deal with all that stuff. And because of my, my long background, in natural health, I'm like, I'm a real good listener. That's what I do all day. And I, I love helping people with their problems. And I thought, you know, I, I think I have a lot to contribute to women who are not blessed with all the resources that I had to, to that I used a lot, you know, right to help me through this. And so I started reading books. The first thing I did was like, read everything I could about, about the step parent situation and and then I decided to well I, I started looking at you know at Facebook groups and I was honestly I was really kind of disappointed with what I found there because at the time most of them were like not run by anybody they were just kind of self not self-help groups but they were just like collections of people who would jump on and 
talk about their problem and then everybody else would jump in and like sort of pick sides or slag the, <laughs> you know, the offending husband or bio mom or mother-in-law or kids or whatever. And they, they would have a great old time kind of beating up on somebody else's family. And I just thought this isn't helpful. Like this isn't helpful at all. There isn't somebody there kind of moderating and saying, well, like, okay, and now here's the sensible solution to your problem. Or now here's like, let's hear from somebody who's been in this a really long time and come out the other end of that, you know, can tell you what it looks like five years or 10 years down the road, or can tell you what they did that really helped right? Yeah. to solve your problem. So I thought I'm going to start a, a Facebook group of my own. And what I did was I hung out in all those other Facebook groups and I looked for people who were giving really good advice. And I reached out to them on Messenger and I said, I'm starting another group and I would really love it if you would be, you know, part of that because I, you know, I think the women in my group would really benefit from, you know, hearing your perspective. So that when I started, you know, getting women, like it's not a huge group. We've got, I don't know, just under 600 women now there. But um, when I started out, I had, you know, 15 or 20 ladies who were, I, I knew that I could count on them to give good advice. And I set out some really strong uh, ground rules about how the members are allowed to talk to each other. And I said, if, if anybody ever writes, you knew what you were signing up for, <laughs> you will be immediately ejected from the group without notice. Yes, like, yes. That is my pet peeve. Yes. And I think that uh, you know, I just I wrote a blog about this a while ago, but like I can relate to the to the extent that I used to be really judgy other people. Like when I was in an unhappy marriage, mm -hmm. I was really judgy about people who had gotten divorced or were getting separated or whatever. You know, I just thought, hey, you don't get to do that, like because it wasn't in my universe that I was ever going to do that, and so. Like in my world, everybody sucks it up and stays miserable. <laughs> like that's, that's your only choice, right? And if you're doing something else, you're really challenging my need to stay here and do it that way. So um, I get it that lots of women are miserable and they're looking to, you know, like misery loves company and they just want other people to be miserable with. And I don't want to hang out with those kind of people. But, you know, it's kind of a fine line because... When people see other people that are experiencing the same thing as they are, they feel like they're not alone, you know, so that's, that's a good thing. It is a good thing. But then the next thing you know, they're feeding each other's stress or I don't know the word I'm looking for, like they're lighting each other's fires, you, you know, yeah. kind of thing. And yeah. it just comes out as, oh, well, my husband did this or, you know, mine did this or my stepkids did this. And then it's not beneficial. Mm -hmm. And then the other side of like the Facebook groups that if you're trying to get help, it's hard to not pick up on other people's problems. Yeah. Therefore, a while, I actually had to step back. I had to nacho the <laughs> nacho group for a little bit because I would find myself reading something before I left work or, you know, at a stoplight and I'd come home and I'd be mad as sin because it brought back like PTSD or something from when the stepkids did something to me. Yeah. A lot of people are like, well, why did you wait so long to start doing this? Well, I had to heal. Yeah. I had to heal for us to re-engage and then I had to heal for me to be able to 
really help other people without me picking up for sure. their problems or, sure. you know, taking it yeah. on as my own. Yeah. The other problem I see in some of these groups is that, and I don't stay in them near as much as, as you do, Lori. So, but what I do see often is that somebody will come into the group with a problem, but they're asking a bunch of other people with problems to help them with the problem. And it's to me, I'm like, that's right. Boggles my mind. I'm like, if you have a problem, go to people who know the answers or can help you. Don't go to the people who have all the same problems you do and ask for advice because not that, not that people don't have good advice, but oftentimes the two or three really good uh, threads of advice are sewn in with 150 crazy comments and so it's like, oh my gosh. That's it. Yeah, I, I totally agree with you, David. And that's, you know, sometimes I, I say that it's as if, you know, a, a group like that, it's it's like, a, you know, a, a bunch of people who are all like swimming in the round in the same murky water. Mm-hmm. And you need somebody standing on the shore to like put down a ladder and let you climb out. And if there's nobody standing on the shore, like throwing you a lifeline and pulling you out, then you're all just in there swimming around together. So at first, it feels good to know that you're not alone in your murky water. But at some point, like you need help from somebody who has been there and got out of it, like in a positive way, who resolved that problem X, whatever it was. And um, it's not so helpful to just hear from a lot of other people who are proposing what they're going to do and they're going to fail because you guys, and I, you know, we all know that 70% of step families don't make it. Yeah. So you don't want the advice from the 70% of people who are on their way over the, you know, into the ditch. Mm-hmm. You actually don't want their advice. Right. And you can, you don't know as a consumer, you know, like as you're swimming around in the dark, you don't know whose advice is good or not good. And so I think that's why groups like yours and mine that are really intensively moderated by people like yourselves and people like me who have been whatever through a a great number of different problematic scenarios. And, you know, we have advice to, uh, to offer that led us in the right direction. And we can say that now because we're there. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And you know, some people, they're just not there that they don't really want help. They just want (laughs) other people to, um, (laughs) Yeah. you know, say, yeah, you're right. You should be mad. You know what? I, I see that in my natural health practice too, that, uh, even, even people who, you know, come to see me ostensibly to, you know, recover from whatever their problem is, uh, especially people who bring their difficult kids, um, that, you know, I can tell that there's something about the dynamic that is, um, serving them in some way that none of us understand, but that's a very common kind of scenario and that they're not really ready to give up uh, whatever they're, whatever it is that they're getting. If it's attention or, you know, an opportunity to, you know, purge a lot of old feelings because they're in a similar situation now to something else that happened earlier in their lives, you know, they're, they're not ready to, to change it. And so I like, I feel like you do. I, I don't have a lot of time for that, I'm interested in working with people who are in a very confusing and problematic situation, which is any kind of blended family. Right. And they really want to know what we know. Like, mm-hmm. tell me how to do this better. What don't I get about this? And step parenting, this kind of step parenting, where the kids have 
other living parents mm -hmm. that they see on a regular basis. This is a brand new thing in, in society. This has never existed before. And half of all kids are living with, you know, with one step parent, like yeah. half of all kids by the time they're 18 are experiencing some kind of blended family situation. And we, we have no preparation for this. No, you don't. Um, it, it's never existed before in all of humanity, mm -hmm. this kind of, um, this kind of social dynamic. So like, no wonder nobody ha knows how to do it. Funny. Um, when I was, this was been a couple of years ago when I was looking up percentage of step families or blended families, the success rate and things like that. There's no accurate number because it's not censored or it's not, you know, when you go to the doctor, it says married, divorced, single, yeah. widowed. Yeah. It doesn't say step family or blended family. Right. So there's no real way that they're keeping up with this. And, yeah. you know, it's, it was rare when I was growing up, which I, you know, I'm old, but not that old. <laughs> it was rare to have a kid that didn't have both their parents in their home. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I remember with my son thinking I felt bad for him because I didn't want him to be like the only kid that his parents weren't together. You know what? There's very few kids that their parents are still together. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, so it's a completely changing dynamic. Yeah. But it's changed so fast. And yeah. also, you know, even when we talk about step parenting, the, how that looks is completely different. Like in your house, you had some kids all the time and then your kid 50-50 and then all the kids 50-50 and then, you know, uh, lots of people have uh, every other weekend mm -hmm. or they have them not at all and then suddenly they have them all the time because something has happened at the other end and that, you know, mom gets sick or, you know, takes off or goes to jail or who knows <laughs> what, all kinds of things happen. But, you know, I hear it all the time and, you know, these people have been, whatever, married for three or five or 10 years and suddenly hello like your full-time parent mm -hmm. um, of kids who obviously have a huge burden of um, you know emotional upset around the circumstances of leaving where they are and coming to live with a parent who they maybe don't even know very well and have, you know a stepmom that they don't know at all yeah um you know it it's huge and it's really something brand new for us. So I feel like we're, we're writing the rules now that people are going to follow and not writing them, but we're, we're sort of, we're helping people to understand that there are rules that lead you in the right direction. And I think that's a new concept. Right. Now we talked a little bit before we actually started recording and you brought up a point, which is probably a good area to start talking about it where you said that you are starting to see and deal with step-parent burnout. So talk about that a little bit. Yeah. Oh, I had it. <laughs> <laughs> no, you just have wife burnout. <laughs> I have David burnout. <laughs> That's easy to happen. You know, I, I talk to the women in my group all the time. I, um, I invite people to, you know, make appointments to talk with me on the phone. This was a topic that kept coming up. People were talking about, you know, step-parent burnout. And I thought, wow, you know, so I started asking questions about that in the group. Like who, you know, who here feels like you identify with that? And holy cow, there was like a, you know, an avalanche. And I think it's a good, it's a good term because it covers a lot of different 
feelings. It puts a name on, on something that, um, you know, one of the women in my group said, oh my God, like there's a name for that. Like I didn't even know, but it makes total sense. Like this is what I'm feeling. And I think that it's important to distinguish between, you know, burning out of the, the step parenting issues and just regular life stuff. You know, there are some women who are, um, you know, step parents of three or four kids, and then they have a baby and a toddler at home and they're working full time or whatever. Like there's life that, that you, you know, is crazy and you could, uh, you know, you could become exhausted or, or burnt out or impatient because, you know, there's a, a lot of difficulty in your life just around stuff. I think it's different when we're talking about burning out from long years of custody issues that don't get resolved, of, you know, dealing with kids who are heavily conditioned by, let's say, their bio mom to be disruptive or disrespectful or to, you know, not, you know, that it doesn't go smoothly at your house when they come to visit. There, you can burn out from having, a, you know, a very high conflict uh, ex-wife with the mother of the kids to deal with where there's a great deal of, of conflict that doesn't go away. And, you know, I probably half the people in my group would say that they, that they suffer from some kind of burnout. So I felt like it was really important to address the topic and let women know that it's a thing, you know, like it's not just you being weak or um, not up to the task or it's a thing. It's kind of like when, when you, when we gave a name to PTSD, you know, post-traumatic stress disorder, like millions of people could breathe a sigh of relief. Like, okay, this is a thing. It's not just me um, being weak and not being able to cope. Like lots of people have this problem and let's, let's talk about it and figure out how it happened and then work on, on how to come back from that. Because of course there's a way to heal that. When David and I first got married, um, of course it was just me and my son and we moved in with David and his four kids and so I went from a calm environment to the zoo. <laughs> and that was hard enough in itself to adjust. But as a woman, you feel like that you need to do the dishes, you need to cook, you need to clean, you need to make the appointments, you need to mm -hmm. fit that motherly role. Even as a stepmom, you know, you yeah. come in and you're like, okay, I'm doing this, I'm doing that. And then the next thing you know, you're mad because you feel like you're doing everything and that the bio parent's not doing anything. And yeah. David would help with things if I asked, but a lot of times we have a bad habit of not asking for help. We would rather just get mad and stay mad about it. And then when he goes, what's wrong? Well, you know what's wrong or you should know what's wrong. <laughs> so it was overwhelming to me having to even fix supper for one person to all of a sudden, how many? Seven? I, I can't even remember how many yeah, seven. we got. Seven people. Mm -hmm. And I'm not kidding. It was like an assembly line of slapping the food on the plates. You know? <laughs> and, oh, my God, dishes were never done. As soon as you would fill up the dishwasher. They still aren't done. There's three people here now. Oh, David, we're not talking about <laughs> that right now. Um, so, it, you know, as soon as you would do the dishes from dinner or whatever, you'd empty the sink. Everything's done. You're like, whew. You turn around, and there's a cup. It's like, where did that come from? And so for me. Your son. 
<laughs> I just hit David for those that you know the heard the thud. But it's just it was very overwhelming for me, you know. And then you think about the laundry and just even the noise. I would just have to go yeah. outside, and um, mm-hmm. I've learned over the years that my personality type I don't do well with a lot of noise. So that yeah. made me even burn out quicker. I was going to say that personality type is something that I talk about. Well, I'm uh, developing this program called Healing Step Parent Burnout. Um, that's what I'm doing at the moment. Um, and one of the things that I talk about uh, right away, actually, in the Get Started Guide for that program is personality types. Because Is it the Myers-Briggs? There's, you can do Myers-Briggs. And uh, there's another nice personality typing called Enneagram. E N E N N E A G R A M Enneagram that has seven types and all both of those Myers Briggs and Enneagram you can do a free free test online and it's fun I just did mine and I found it super interesting but obviously there are some personality types who are much more likely to burn out than others and we can I, I'm sure that. Um, you can see if you think about the kind of posts that you read that some of these women are not going to burn out. They are going to leave their relationship. Uh-huh. Right. Yeah. Uh, or the, they're going to, you know, the, the husband is going to leave because they're, yeah. they're dug in <laughs> and they know what they mm-hmm. want. Mm-hmm. You know, <laughs> I, the, the personality types who are going to burn out are uh, people who are doers and givers and, um, nurturers caregivers um right yeah and and we talk about that a lot in the um not your kids academy too Mm -hmm. you know it's one of the things where we ask the participants say you know if it's david and i you know what's my personality type then find out what his is and then find out the best way to communicate between the two right um how each other takes certain things right because it's very important Exactly. There's all kinds of things like the the five love languages. That's an awesome thing to do. There's a book called Five Love, the, the Five Languages of Love or something. And, you know, different people um, interpret their, um, you know, the way that you receive love is between, you know, receiving things or having people do things for you or having people say nice thing, you know, what you need to hear. Um and, or, you know, spending time is the most important thing. So I forget what the other one is, but anyway, somebody will jump right on and know, <laughs> but, but, you know, it's important to, you know, for us to know with our kids and our partners that like for this person, nothing is more important than hearing you say good job or thank you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and for somebody else, you know, they want you to just bring me a cup of coffee. Like that would mean everything. If you would just, you know, show up with a, or, you know, come over with a, you know, bring my, my favorite sandwich on a plate or whatever, that's going to be like, then I know that you love me right? or whatever. And we all have different ways of doing that. And sometimes, you know, there's a lot of confusion and misunderstanding. I think that's probably why that, why that book is so, so popular because it really helps people to communicate with each other in a really easy, really easy way that it doesn't take much to just think I have to remember to do that. 
I have to remember to actually say what's on my mind. Right. And it doesn't, you know, it doesn't help my partner that I think it or that I hug him. He doesn't want, you know, a hug and a kiss. He wants me to say, thank you, honey. Yeah, it's important. It yeah. is. It's very I, important. I think by default, though, people tend to believe that everybody else is similar to them. Right. And so when I'm dealing with my spouse, I'm thinking, well, she, she sees the world the same way I do. She's, she should react the same way I do. She should care about the same things I do in well, the but, same manner. it's hard for you to view something differently than how you see it. It is. But that's, that's part of what, what we're talking about here is that you have to understand that we all are very different. Mm -hmm. And not, even when you, even when you look at the personality and the disc analysis and, you know, I can, I could have the exact same disc profile as the next guy, but I still see things differently because I have different environmental factors and way I grew up and things that I saw and experienced. And Nature so and all, all that stuff, uh, you know, is thrown into a big pot and stirred up and that becomes who I am. And so it is difficult for people to understand how do I dig through all this and peel back the layers of the onion to find out who is it that I actually married and how should I communicate with them and love them and nurture them. Mm -hmm. I want to go back for a second. David, do you mm -hmm. think stepdads have burnout? Heck yeah, put up with you women. <laughs> <laughs> no. Um, do, do we have... David says all women are crazy. You will probably hear that multiple times throughout our podcast I series. think we should, I should trademark that. Um, do I think stepdads get burnout? I think that step get, stepdads get burnout when the step... When they're when the stepmom when their spouse is not happy, and the kids aren't happy, and then they're stuck in the middle, and so they have the pressure from both sides, and they and this it's not a pressure to resolve something uh, that's beneficial for everybody. It's a pressure to the the wife wants it resolved one way, the kids want it resolved a completely different way, and then if there's any other outside influences like the bio mom, the grandparents, the aunt and uncle to live next door, whatever else, all these other factors are in there wanting something to happen. They're wanting to dad to do something about this issue, but they're all pulling in different directions. And so, yes, that is stressful. Would that be burnout or punching bag? <laughs> <laughs> I think, I think that the, the step dad experience is so different to the stepmom experience. Mm -hmm. I agree. Uh, because mothers and fathers have different sort of archetypal roles. And it doesn't mean that, 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 you know, I'm not talking about, um, you know, women aren't allowed to do this or dad shouldn't be doing the dishes or something. I, I don't mean anything like that, but I mean, men in general, um, need to, um, fulfill a kind of provider protector kind of role whereas the women tend to be a, a nurturing caregiving kind of role in general and we all know because i mean i've been a single parent too like we all anybody who's a single parent is doing all of that and we all do all of that you know there's a kind of divide where i think that women burn out from too much nurturing Mm -hmm. that they don't need that's not giving back to them so that they're not they're not getting renewed by the nurturing that they're doing you know you can do anything you know you can nurture you can have 10 kids and nurture them and if you're getting 
back what you need from that. You never burn out of it. You might be tired, but it's not, it's not burning out. And I think men get burned out when their provider and protector function is not giving back to them. So for instance, when a man is um, supporting two families, you know, in one, maybe he's the dad, you know, he's the dad of his own kids. And uh, he's also the stepdad of his wife's kids. And he's um, providing in two families and feeling that he's not doing enough for either one of them. I think that can make him burn out and try harder and harder to be a good provider and feeling always, you know, inadequate. Right. I don't think men are as, um, I don't want to say needy as women, but maybe as emotional as women or um, as emotionally invested in things or take things so personally, maybe that's the best way to put it. They don't take things as personal, I think. Yeah. It's just also because of the way kids relate to, in general, again, to a woman or a man, um, it's less likely that a, like if he's a stepdad, then he's living with the mother of those kids. Mm-hmm. And they are unlikely to disrespect him openly. Right. Right? Mm-hmm. Like it it doesn't, I, I'm sure that it happens in lots of families and I don't want people to listen and say, you haven't been to my house, like come mm-hmm. hear how it happens here. But somehow the the moms are more engaged in uh, you know the behavior of their own kids mm-hmm. and have more you know feelers out for that and I think that very often dads are coming from a situation where um, either they grew up in a house where the mom took care of a lot of that stuff or they their previous wife took care of a lot of that stuff and they're not used to uh, like snapping to attention when their kids are behaving in a certain way. Oh yeah. So, you know, I think that just that I know it, that the dynamic is so different. There's a great book and I, you guys have probably read this one a long time ago uh, called step families by Dr. James Bray. And he did a 10 year analysis of step families, which were all stepdad families. So he followed a hundred stepdad families for 10 years. That's a long time. Yeah. Um, and, uh, it's a great book. And, you know, he talks about different styles of, of step families and how, you know, people's expectations, uh, really color the experience that they have of, of step parenting. But anyway, just because all of those families are stepdad families, um, it's easy to see when you read it, how it's a, it's a very different kind of dynamic and not to say that the stepdads don't suffer because everybody wants to be liked and everybody wants to be you know respected by kids who are in their house or whatever um but obviously it goes in a in a very different way well you know too um age is a huge factor in the blend and when david and i got married jackson was four and his kids were nine 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 and ten so the relationship between Jackson and David is completely different than the relationship that I have with his kids. Yeah, of course. Because I'm cool. <laughs> I am awesome. Hello. Now but, you are. Yeah. <laughs> well, Jackson grew up with David telling him how awesome he was all the time. And, you know, he didn't know any better. And <laughs> David's kids, I had to prove to them how awesome I was. 
you know, so it took time. And, yes. <laughs> you know, I wonder, um, well, I don't really wonder because I see it and I'm sure you see it in groups too. People will go, well, I just don't understand this whole nacho thing, the whole nacho kids method. Yes. And then they say that they're stepkid is one. Well, no wonder you don't understand it because, hello, you have not reached the point that these kids are, you know, planning on burning you at the stake. Yeah, exactly. You know, so there's just so many different dynamics. It's hard. It's, it's really hard. And I love that you and I can work together to try to help step families or especially step moms, because it's like David says, no matter how we get to our end point, it's the fact that we get there. Yeah. And your goal and my goal is to not let these people become 72%. Exactly. Yeah. And let me ask you this. On the stepmom burnout, one thing that I would tell people is to ask for help yeah. when they need it and to nacho certain things. Take some of that load off of you mm -hmm. to where you're not so stressed out. And then also to... Be, tell your significant other what you need for you to fill your cup back up. You know, we always hear don't, you can't pour from an empty cup. Yeah. So what other suggestions do you have for stepmoms that are getting burned out or? Well, I think. Um, Xanax. <laughs> Recognize that there are stages of burnout. You know, the, the, the different words that women use to describe how they're feeling when I ask them about burnout, you know, uh, the ones who are, who say things like I'm tired or I'm frustrated, or I, I feel like, you know, I feel unheard. I feel unappreciated. Those are kind of the, that's the beginning of the, the burnout journey. And by the time you get to where people are saying, I feel defeated. I feel numb. I feel hopeless. I feel empty. You know, like that's a stage three situation. And yeah, all the rest of it is, is in the middle. You know, um, I feel unimportant. I feel, um, you know, disrespected. Uh, uh, I feel exhausted, you know, um, I mean, there are many, many words and I don't have them all in front of me, but what I'm trying to say is that the different stages have different action steps for, uh, you know, coming back to yourself. And I think that in the first stage, it's important to identify that, that there is a thing called step parent burnout and that, you know, now it's important for you to do things to prevent yourself from going more down that road. And I think for a lot of women, just identifying the problem and knowing that it's not about them, that this is a normal, it's normal to feel mm -hmm. frustrated and, um, you know, and unheard and whatever, like those are normal parts of right. being in a, in a blended family situation. And it's, you know, it's good to have tools to mm -hmm. make it go better and not go down that road. I think that when you're already in a very depleted state, um, that the first thing you have to do is try to get back in connection with yourself. And um, there are practices that you can do to sort of ground yourself, energetically speaking. Mm -hmm. um, grounding things are, uh, now we're coming into a time of year where it's possible to walk in bare feet outside. Um, Walking in the water is fantastic for anybody who's lucky enough to 
you know, be near a beach or a river or somewhere where they can, you know, put their feet in the water is great. Um, I knew I should live at the beach. Yeah. <laughs> um, taking a bath with Epsom salts. We got some mud puddles. What? So we got some mud puddles in the yard. Yeah, mud puddles <laughs> you are good. <laughs> Used to play in them as a kid. Well, one thing, and I don't know if you've seen this a lot, but um, we've had some experience with it of stepmoms that are suicidal. Oh God. And if you can catch people when they're at stepmom burnout stage one or two, mm-hmm. then that is tremendous because you don't want them to get to three. Exactly. And yeah. I mean, the other thing about three is that there's, you know, um, like we kind of coast along through one and two thinking like something's going to change or, you know, I don't, you know, or, you know, like I think the only way that you get all the way to three is when you, you have a sense that the problem is you in some way and that you're, you know, you're not, you don't have the confidence to get help because it feels embarrassing. You just think that it's all about you, you know, like you're inadequate in some way. And then you go through the, um, you know, we've discussed this in the Nacho Kids Academy too, the ants, automatic negative thinking. Um, oh, okay. Dr. Daniel Amen, mm-hmm. I want to say amen when I hear his name. <laughs> he wrote about ants and how you have so many thoughts a day and of those, so many are negative and it's an unconscious thought process. Yeah. And so you have to be aware of your thoughts. You have to make yourself stop them. Even if you have to scream stop at the top of your lungs, it's not realistic. And you have yeah. to be able to identify those things. And if you can't, then you need to get help. Because, mm-hmm. you know, even if it's just starting each day off with writing five positive things. Exactly. That's a big thing for me that doing a, uh, well, for me, it's a gratitude journal of, you know, five things a day that you're feel grateful for. And that's like, it's so easy and it works so incredibly well. And one of my, one of my coaching clients said, um, in our, one of our follow-up sessions, she said, I have to tell you that I really thought it was kind of hokey like the gratitude journal, I was super skeptical. And she said, like, wow, it really worked. It's not. You have to feed your brain or your mind That's right. with positive thoughts. And yeah, you do. You need to be grateful every single day and you can find something to be grateful for. And you also positive affirmations. Yep. In November, we did a, um, you know, with Thanksgiving, what are you thankful for mm-hmm. thing in the Academy? And it was funny because like day four or five, it's like list five things that you're thankful for. And they're like, again, I'm like, really? (laughs) You're complaining about having to write things you're thankful for. I don't care if you write about, I'm thankful that I can see. Indoor plumbing was a big one for me. It really is imperative to feed your mind with positive thinking and people that support you and we all have that one friend that you can talk to and be down in the dumps and then they have you laughing hysterically over something. We all have to be able to find that person. It's, it's just, it's so important, especially with the stepmom role, because it's easy to get drugged down. You've got the kids that hate you. You've got, you know, all this stuff going on and you feel like a punching bag. And then the next thing you know, you're punching on yourself Yeah. of, oh, I could have done this or I should have done that. And um, so it's really important like you said, to identify the different stages of the stepmom burnout and figure out what you can do at each stage to yeah. n- not go any further with it. Yeah. 
let's see, it's about time to start wrapping up. So we are going to have our, what do you call them, David? <laughs> the lightning round. The lightning round. <laughs> you like During that? this round, we are going to ask you four questions. <laughs> <laughs> and you just tell us your answers. And before we um, get into that, I want to tell you that it has been a pleasure speaking with you as always. Thank you. Uh, me, for me too. This is great. Thank you. And happy birthday to your daughter that we're not saying Thank how you. old she is again. <laughs> and um, of course, we would love to have you on again because you offer so much knowledge and advice. And Oh, thanks, Lori. Well, I just really like talking to you guys, so we might as well tape it. <laughs> so I'm going to let David go forward with this. You are? Yes, I am. Okay. So what? This is number one. <laughs> yeah. What's been the hardest part of blending for you? Well... I guess I would say, you know, parental alienation was, was a really big deal uh, in our house. And it played out a little bit differently with each of his kids. Uh, but that's, that's been very hard. Um, and, you know, it's not, hmm, how can I say this? Like, they're not my kids, right? So it's my <laughs> husband who's really the, the victim of that and who's suffering, but the kids were suffering too. And, you know, I love my husband and I love his kids. And I was not, it was not easy for me to see that happening and to feel really, um, um, you know, it, you feel helpless for sure when that's happening. It's, it's a very powerful um, force. Um, and, uh, and when you're in the middle of it, it feels like you're not ever going to get out of it. But mm -hmm. um, uh, you know, I also, I have to just say that, okay, I mean, we came out the other end and we have a very happy resolution in this household. Uh, but I, I reached out to women in some various groups in mine and others asking for people who had been children who were alienated from one parent or another oh, yeah. as they were children. And almost every single one of them could say that they now as adults have a good relationship with the parent who they didn't see when they were a child and that they have a very strained relationship with the parent who did that to them. Exactly. That's the same thing that we've seen. You know, mm -hmm. so for anybody who's listening, like it feels awful and hopeless when you're in it, but you have a long life ahead of you. And, you know, the odds are very, very strongly that at some point, um, the kids are going to grow up and reach out to the parent who was alienated mm -hmm. and find out that the story that they heard uh, from their mom or their dad, because it happens in both directions, uh, the story that they heard was not an accurate one. And uh, Yeah, the kids, they, they grow up and they see things on their own. You don't have yeah, to tell sure them what do. a crappy parent the other one is because they will see it. It may take 10, 20, 30 years. You might be <laughs> half dead by the time they realize it, but they will see it and they will understand it. <laughs> I think um, I know that David's kids um, have a different respect, I think, for our marriage because they know the struggles we went through. Mm -hmm. And um, actually, Branson, he had um, did a Facebook Live with us a couple of times, and we're going to have him on the podcast when he comes home. Nice. Really important, I think, for people to see how the kids do turn out, yeah. you know, especially as much crap for lack of a better word that nacho kids gets of how we're torturing the kids and how horrible it is for these kids. 
And they'll tell you, you know, Branson will flat out tell you that if it wasn't for Nacho in, we wouldn't have a relationship mm -hmm. because he was the leader for the burn Lori at the stake, yeah. you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He was most vocal for sure. Yeah. Okay. Sorry. You know how I get off track. All right. So let's bring up number two. Question number two, uh, what's been the best advice that you've ever received about blending? Yeah, that's a good question. And I, I wish I could think it through more clearly, but I think that it would have to do with adapting other life advice to that, you know, to this situation. Um, and I, I think putting on your, your own oxygen mask before helping your you know, the passenger beside you, like, you know, you hear it on the planes, right? When they give you the, the little pre-flight announcement and say, you know, if anything happens and the oxygen mask drop, you have to put on your own. And, and of course they tell you that because we have a reflex that we have to help, you know, others first. Many of us have that reflex, certainly to help your, you know, the, to help your kids first and to do everything for them. And, the, you know, the message of that is that you can't help anybody if you pass out. Yeah. And you can't, you know, you can't help anybody if you, like, you know, leave the relationship. You're not helping anybody anymore. No, because you're just going to go back into another relationship later with the same issues. Yeah. And that's, that's what we tell people all the time. If you leave this relationship, you haven't fixed anything. You're going to encounter the same problems as you did before. Why not make this one work? You've already vested time and Yeah. Well they don't realize that that the problem is not what they think it is. That's they right. think the problem is with the other person That's or right. with the stepkids or with the exes. A lot of times the problem's looking at them in the mirror. Yeah. Now be nice. I'm being nice. You know I'm sensitive yeah. to those things. <laughs> and it's not to say that and I'm not saying that hey, it's the wife's fault or whatever. What I'm saying is it is it is equally the husband and wife's fault, but they neither know that. Yeah. Because the husband's looking at the wife going, she's a nutcase, and I don't understand what her problem is. And the wife's looking at the husband going, he, he doesn't get off that game and take care of his kids. I right. wouldn't have he to. He won't parent, and he doesn't blah, blah, blah. Well, they both are the problem, but they neither one will will look uh, you know, in the mirror and say, okay, I understand that I'm the problem. What can I do to fix my part? And then the other spouse can do the same thing. And they look in the mirror and they say, okay, I understand I'm also a problem. And what can I do? Like, for example, I didn't know until, you know, I'm looking back on it after we've learned a lot of things that we've learned and, and of course, putting together the Nacho Kids Academy and all that good stuff. But I've learned along the way that my expectations of Lori were so out of whack in the beginning. So going into the relationship, I expected her and our relationship to look like a nuclear family relationship. Yeah. And I would get upset because the kids didn't want to, you know, do things together or we all as a family didn't do things together sometimes. And I tried to force that to happen because that's what I thought should happen. And so I was creating a bunch of pressure and a bunch of misguided steps. And then, and then Stress, I was disappointment. Yeah. I mean, just all these things were going out of whack because my expectations were out of whack. And then that puts more on Lori to step up and be this, do this parenting role that she shouldn't even be doing. And so and then when it blows up in her face, she's mad because it blew up in her face. And then I'm mad because she didn't do it. Yeah. I mean, just, it's just a mess. There's, mm -hmm. So there's no way I would look at her and go, well, it was all your fault. Yeah. Um, even though back then I probably thought, she was 90% of it, and, and that's not the case. I hate hearing this. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, you know, nobody likes to feel like that it's them. Yeah, of course. 
cool. And I, I remember when the Nacho Kids epiphany happened to me. Um, for you. I, for me. <laughs> um, I, I realized it was me. And I still don't like it. It hurts my little heart to say it. <laughs> but once I removed myself from that vicious cycle of craziness, things got better instantly, you know? And it's like um, people will say, well, my stepkids are coming this weekend and I'm already dreading it. Okay. And that's Wednesday. Yeah. Okay. You have control over your thoughts. Stop thinking that way. Yeah. Don't anticipate it. You're spending three days preparing to make things bad. Right. <laughs> and so exactly. a lot of times it is us. And believe me, I don't like admitting that at all. But unfortunately, in that case, I mean, the kids had issues. David had issues, whatever. But I was the main um, well, part you, that was causing the problems. Yes, but you also understood that you can only fix you. Right. And and that relieves the pressure so that other people can look at things and go, oh, guess what? She's not the problem anymore. But we're still having issues. So let me go look in the mirror myself. Can't blame Lori. And, uh, <laughs> and, and so, and that's kind of part of what Not Your Kids does is when you, when you step back and you allow the parent, the bio parent to step up, you, uh, you allow the focus to change on what's happening. And so the, the, the negative things that are happening can no longer be focused on you because you step back. And so they become more evident to where they need to be. And then the actual problem can be addressed and not the symptoms. Yep. All right. Next question. Okay. <laughs> We're going down a path. All right. So, <laughs> okay. So if you could travel back in time, knowing what you know now, what would you tell oh. your past self other than, you know, don't do it. <laughs> no, she tell herself that. I wouldn't even tell myself that. I'd tell you that. <laughs> I I guess I would say that it, you know, you want to be able to project yourself into the future somehow and 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 like talk to your old self and say, you see, it all worked out. Like you didn't need to fret so much. And I I think that whatever we're going through, it feels like your whole like like you're in the middle of the whole thing and that's all that there is. And the more we can step outside of that and say, okay, look, 10 years from now, I'm going to be X years old and the kids are going to be, you know, this year at whatever age and try to visualize that and say like, whatever you're suffering now, I mean, our situation changed in such dramatic ways, you know, um, that we could never have, have guessed. And, um, um, I mean, I, I certainly wish that we had had all the kids here sooner and for longer um, for their sake. But you know what? It's their journey. And it's not yeah. my place to say what's better or worse for them because I don't know what they're going to do with all of that life experience that they had and all the the hurts that they had and the things that they learned and what they saw about both of their parents and, you know, their experience of, uh, you know, their social circle or whatever, like that's the stuff with which they're going to go on in their lives and do something with it. And it's not for me to say that that was a, an objectively wrong experience for them to have. It feels wrong to me from my perspective, but you know, I don't get to know what they're going to, what they're going to do with all of that. And that, 
you know, those experiences might propel them into um, an amazing, um, you know, career or possibility of helping other people or who knows what, you know. So I think you just have to know that things are going to change without any question. They're going to change dramatically from wherever they are now. And you want to keep, like you said, thinking positive thoughts as much as you can to, to point your toes in the direction of going where you, where you want to go and not just sitting on a hamster wheel of negative ideas that run around in your head all day. Yeah. So things will work out and look at the bigger picture. One of the other things that we talk about in the Academy is if it's not going to matter in five minutes, five days, five months, five years, let it go. God forbid something tragic happens and you spent your whole time fussing at the stepkid yeah. because they broke your favorite spoon. Yeah. <laughs> you, you, you know yeah. what I mean? I you ha- I you have to really put the emotional weight that it really should be there. Yeah. Assign it to it. Yeah. Put things in a proper perspective. Yeah. All right. Last question. Dave. Last question. What's the one thing that you would tell others that are facing problems in blended families? I would say that the, to, to look around and it, okay, all of us have similar problems. I think, Lori, you, you and I must have had the same situation of not really knowing someone else who's in, in your situation. You know, we, even those of us who may know other step-parents, the, the life situation is so different that we can't see any similarities and we don't really think about, you know, talking to them or reaching out. But there are tens of thousands of women on social media who are sharing their experiences and you need to at least see that you're not alone your experiences are completely very common and probably even normal and that normal yeah (laughs) um, and that it's not serving you or anyone else to not get help you know that I think your your step family is actually counting on you to to ask for help um, yeah, and, you know, and, and don't wait that you can do for them. It's to get the help that you need to, to learn the missing pieces. You know, we, we're not, like I said before, we're not prepared by nature for this role. We have to learn from each other. Um, and you have to surround yourself with, with good models of how this is done. You need to, you know, find some stepmoms who can give you good advice about how it's done because yes, there's a way. Um, and I'm not like no two families are alike, but that doesn't mean that there aren't uh, some very clear, you know, rules to follow that are going to lead you much more in the direction of the successful 30%. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, you owe it to yourself and to the rest of your family to, um, uh, to look for help and fill in the pieces of what you, you know, what you don't know how to do. And it's totally not your fault because we don't, you know, you don't pop out of the womb knowing how to do this. It's a, it's a brand new kind of thing that we're trying to do here and everybody's learning as we go, but there are some women who are five and 10 and 20 years ahead of you on this journey who have a lot of really good advice. Yeah. And you know, one thing that we notice is people wait till the last minute to get help. Yeah. And we were one of those people. I mean, oh yeah, yeah. yeah we were, um, was, well, I, I can't really say that because we did prepare. We didn't go in this blind, and you know, whatever. But it was divorce was the only option we saw 
And then thank God for nacho kids. But we see a lot of people that they don't want to look for help until they're ready to leave. One thing that David and I decided was leaving wasn't an option. You know, once we decided this whole nacho kids thing, we were going to do it, that divorce was not on the table. Because if you have one foot out the door, or if your mind goes to, well, we'll just get divorced, you're not going to make it. Yeah. You can't think that way. You have to be dedicated. And yeah. You got to burn the ships. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Tracy, mm. how can how can people find you? What have you got going on for us today? <laughs> um, well, they can find me uh, at my website, EssentialStepmom.com. They can find me uh, on Facebook in a Facebook group called The Spectacular Stepmom where we'd be very happy to have anybody who who cares to join there. If probably by the time you go looking at my website, you'll see um, information about my my program called Healing Step Parent Burnout. And you'll be able to download the Get Started Guide because I'm gonna make that uh, I'm gonna make that available to uh, to your listeners and people who want to have a better idea of what step parent burnout is and and you know what are some easy steps that people can take to start reversing that preventing themselves from going you know farther down that road well i'm so glad that you're doing that thank you i think i think it's very important mm-hmm. and it's a really good and one. i'm glad for the nacho kids academy which would be an excellent resource for anybody who's feeling burnt out truly like i think that that's a great deal of the work that you guys do. And I just want to say too that, because um, we talked about this the other day, but I think that there are so many uh, women at this point, you know, it's such a catchy phrase, you know, saying nacho kids or the nacho method or whatever. And I, I, I think it's, I, I love it. And I think it's fantastic. But I think that it, it's so easy to use it the wrong way, you know, with the wrong energy. Like, I, because I've heard your story, I know that that term was born out of you poking fun at yourself and you're not poking fun at your stepkids. And I think that's where a lot of people, you know, that they recoil from that term because they interpret it wrongly as a kind of a, a slag at the, at the kids. And it's not that at all. It's, it's you poking fun at yourself for not being able to realize that you were overstepping in so many ways. And, you know, it's, it's, um, it belongs to the stepmom, the, the nacho. It's not, it's not something that belongs to the kid, right. you know? So it's not, it, it's not a kind of like excuse to dislike your kids or to stop interacting with them or to be mean with them or to not have to do stuff for them anymore, whatever. It's, it's a, it's a reset of your own mindset about what your involvement is actually supposed to be. Yeah. And what works for you? There's certain situations where like I I didn't cook for the stepkids because they complained about my cooking. And uh, some parents can't do that. Or some step parents can't do that because the dad's working or he's out of town. Mm -hmm. You can't not feed the kids. Mm -hmm. I mean, there's a lot of common sense to this, but the key is 
to remove those stressful triggers, figure out a way to work through them, to avoid them, or to cope with them differently. And no, it's not um, a bash against the kids or anything like that. I had a habit of, before I would say anything, I'd do the Macho Man song, and I'd sing their Nacho Nacho Kids to myself. (laughs) And it would just make me laugh. I mean, you've got to laugh. You've got to lighten up. And you can't get through this just being grim. Yeah, yeah, that that's that's the right word. That's definitely the word I was looking for. You know, you've got to realize that there is a light at the end of the tunnel and it is not an oncoming train. <laughs> <laughs> Well, Tracy, as always, we love you. Thank you. I love you guys too. This is great. And I'm sure we will talk to you soon. I made a note. Um, I would like to have you back on later to talk about parental alienation. Sure. Yeah, I'd be glad to do that. We'll add that to the list of things to discuss. All right. Great. And we look forward to checking out the burnout stuff that you've got planned for us. Yeah, I'm really excited about it. It's it's going really well. So um, I'm excited to get that up and running. My parents are like aliens. Does that count? Your dad loves aliens. (laughs) He does. I swear. If one come and landed in our yard, he'd be like, run out the door. Take me. Take me. (laughs) I'm like, they ain't going to take you. You're going to shoot you with a laser. (laughs) Anyway. All right. It's been great. (laughs) And I appreciate you coming on the podcast. And we will certainly talk to you soon. Okay. You take care. Bye-bye. Bye. I love talking to Tracy. She's pretty awesome. She is. And she has such a calming presence. Mm -hmm. Very unlike you. Well, thank you, David. <laughs> I can't help it. I'm like seven gears in a six-gear car. No, it's more like um, a long-tailed cat in a room full of rocking chairs. What? <laughs> <laughs> All right. So anyway, I'm glad that we addressed the Facebook groups. And you know that's how she started her group because there was so much negativity in other groups and not even good advice. And she just saw that it was just murky waters. Mm, and, sounds familiar. Yeah. I know. David doesn't like Facebook groups. No, and it's not just a stepmom group, so I'm not picking on stepmoms. It's it, it's a lot of groups. I'm in groups that are professional groups, and there's a lot of the same stuff that goes on. Bad advice, complaining, you know, people giving their opinions, which are not even factually based a lot of times, and just completely terrible stuff. Well... When we did the 28 Days to Change Your Thinking Challenge in the Nacho Kids Academy, that was one reason is we have a habit of having negative thoughts. Mm-hmm. The majority of people do. There's very few people that are positive in their thought processes and expressing that to other people and uplifting people. Yeah. Well, the other thing, too, is people often like to give advice as if that's what they would do when that is not what they would do. So they'll say something to the effect of, well, if I were you, I would X, Y, Z. No, they wouldn't. And no, dude. Well, what I like is in the Facebook groups with the step parents, they'll say, well, if that was my kid, I would, hello, nacho kid. (laughs) Yeah. There's a lot of people that's willing to give that kind of advice. I saw a post in the group where a stepkid's climbing out the window at night. Mm -hmm. The stepmom knows about it. Mm -hmm. She told the dad. Mm-hmm. He doesn't really seem to be too concerned with it. Well, then she doesn't need to be concerned with it. Well, she's concerned for her safety and her other kids' safety because the kid's leaving the window open in the middle of the night. Okay. So they may not live in a very safe neighborhood, or even if they do, you know, there's crime. Mm-hmm. But people were saying, well, lock her out while she's gone or call the BM and tell her. Why would you call the BM and tell her? Yeah, that's not that's crazy. But if dad's 
okay with it, then tell her, just quiet the door. Well, that's true. I, I don't think anybody suggested that. I mean, why go out the window? If he knows and he don't care, then just go out the door and lock it behind you. I, um, I think somebody said, call the police and say that she's been kidnapped. Yeah, let's start that lying stuff. Yeah. Go to no. the extremes of everything. Yeah. No, I mean, if he don't care and he knows about it, then why is she sneaking out? Right. Exactly. But anyway, sorry. Back to Tracy. All right, Tracy. Don't Tracy. be sneaking out the window, Tracy. Yeah, Tracy. <laughs> You're too old for that. You might break a hip. I know Lori did that. We won't get on that side. So yes, Lori did. And my daddy nailed my window shut. And I tried to tell him that was a fire hazard. And he said, I do not care. You will burn to death. Yeah. See, I just snuck people in. I never snuck out. I snuck people in, too. <laughs> Uh-oh. I hope my daddy don't ever listen to this. I don't think I ever admitted that part. Mm. You know, when I graduated high school, it was like, I felt like an adult. And I felt like I should just bare my soul to everything I had ever done wrong and I was like, Daddy, you remember that time I told you they had a pep rally at school because I was home early? He's like, yeah. I said, I didn't lie. They did have a pep rally, but I just didn't go to it. <laughs> Man, I cut school one time, and the one time I did it, I got caught. That's because you're not smart. See, I worked in the office, so I knew when they mailed out the letters, and I knew when they mailed them, the time frame it took for them to get to my house. Mm-hmm. And I knew my daddy's schedule and which days I could get him get home and get the mail before he did. No, they didn't. Uh, they didn't do the mailing of the letters for me. They picked up the phone, and made a phone call. Really? Yeah, because it was so uncharacteristic for me to miss school. And then one day I'm not there. Like at the same day that my girlfriend's not there. Oh, <laughs> mm-hmm. I mean, you know, anybody could figure that one out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but we went to. Uh, the mall to, uh, you know, of course we want to get away from everybody, right? So we go to the most public place in the world. Yeah, that wasn't too bright. <laughs> anyway. Okay, back to Tracy again. <laughs> Tracy, stop. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Tracy, don't you understand? We're trying to help you. Tracy has, as we discussed, created the Stepmom Burnout course, and she can be found at theessentialstepmom.com. And it doesn't have anything to do with essential oils, right? No, it has nothing to do with essential oils. However, she does use that in her holistic practices. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. And then she can be found in her step-parent group, which is the Spectacular Stepmom. Cool. So we have determined that Tracy is essentially spectacular. (laughs) Or spectacularly essential. I think essentially spectacular sounds better. Of course, because you came up with it. Of course. (laughs) So if you're experiencing stepmom burnout, it is something that we have discussed in the Nacho Kids Academy. What about stepdad burnout? I'm about to burn you out. I'm burnt out just dealing with you, not even a stepkid. Okay, well, create your own group. Well, I guess that's something I could do. You ain't got time for that. <laughs> you're right, I don't. And then you'll nacho my group and then I'll be mad. <laughs> you'll be fussing at them. I'll call Tracy ask her to start another group. Tracy's not going to start a stepdad group. All right, fine. Gosh. I'll just deal. <laughs> Well, you know, we do have some men in our group, mm-hmm. and you are very active in the academy, which is very important because it gives the women a man's perspective other than the husband or their significant other. Mm-hmm. Heck, half the, half the time I'm giving the men the men's perspective, but they don't even know why they feel that way. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah. Well, most people don't know why they feel the way they are. They... They're so wrapped up in it. Like you say, they can't peel away the layers because they're crying so much from the first layer of the onion. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you're just too close to the problem. That's You know, that's the same. Even with me, a lot of times I have to figure out a way to mentally and emotionally step back so that I can look at the problem more objectively. Because if not, too close to it. 
And that, my friends, is what nachoing is, stepping back mentally and emotionally so you can assess things differently. Mm-hmm. It's tactical disengagement. Tactical disengagement. Part of it is. <laughs> yeah. Not all of it. All right, David, you want to do your little spill? What kind of spill am I doing? Well, you need to remind people about the contest. We have a contest going on, peoples. Tell them about it. We're trying to get 1,000 reviews, and we're well on our way. But we still need about 993 more. <laughs> more. <laughs> uh, but we want to get 1,000 reviews on the podcast. So on iTunes. Uh, yeah, well, you can do other things, but iTunes is the easiest for us to track. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you go to notyourkids.com slash review, then you will find all the information there. Yes. And we're, and we're giving away prizes. Yes, we're giving away prizes. The prizes will be three prizes, a three-month, a six-month, and a 12-month free membership to the Nacho Kids Academy. Should we call it scholarship? <laughs> <laughs> there you go. That's pretty good. Yeah. I think it should be a scholarship. I don't know. So enter to win for your scholarship. Oh, I just thought of an even better contest. We'll do, have to do that one not next time, like next year or something. A podcast or episode? No, a um, like contest where they have to submit a crazy video. <laughs> people would love to do that. Yeah, to win like three free months or something like that. Well, people will probably like send videos of their stepkids leaving empty cereal boxes in the pantry. Well, you know, we did have this one contest a long time ago in the secret nacho group where how long can the egg sit on the counter <laughs> or how long can you nacho the egg sitting on the counter? Mm-hmm. You know, I think the chick went eight days. Mm-hmm. She won. Wow. She didn't win a prize <laughs> other than my congratulations and one of those little fake GIF, GIF, whatever they are, awards. Mm-hmm. Is it GIF or GIF? It's GIF. GIF. Okay. Like gift without the T. Yeah. What does it stand for, David? It stands for graphic... Something, another format. Good job. Graphical something format. I don't know. I'd have to Google it. I was just curious. (laughs) I figured you knew. All right. So David's going to lead you into his little spill about leaving the reviews, I guess. No, I've already done that. Okay. Then I I guess we're done. All right. Thanks, folks, for listening to this episode of the Not Your Kids podcast. We much appreciate it. And we'll see you next time. Next week, people. Next week. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Nacho Kids Podcast. Find us online at nachokids.com. Until next time, remember, life is good when you nacho.